Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thanks, worship team. I tell you, it's a gift, isn't it, to gather for shared worship. God just... Um, I need this, and I hope uh, hope he's met with you through this time. I was uh, just something about singing together, isn't there, and coming into his presence together. It was interesting. I does this this is random, off note, but the pronoun every once in a while in the song. Um, I love the song "His Mercy Is More," but the pronoun when we're singing about him, his mercy. Does that ever shift for you in the middle of the song, and as you realize he is with us? in this presence, and I can't sing his, I have to sing your, because he's here. Somebody else has that sensation, all right, (laughs) but I was just treasuring that, the Lord, we are not singing about a God who is in his temple somewhere, we are singing to a God who is with us in these moments, Jesus Christ, obviously present, actively in charge, and he is here to, uh, to be worshiped by us, but also to supply what we need for the next step in our faith journey as we look to his word. So excited to dig in today. We will, uh, we're will we in the life of David. If you're just joining us, we've been uh, tracking with David this series called Lifted Up and watching where God lifts him up in his in his life. If, if today at the dinner table, the topic was what is your best moment in life? What would be your, your best moment to date? I'm sure it would be hard to narrow that down. We'd, we'd come up with a compilation of moments. It was fun last night. We were hanging out with some kids and uh, little Mason Fox. His best moment, I think it, it right now, is the county fair. Like, he just wants that thing to come back again. The uh, What would your best moment be? And we celebrated as a church family our today. Clayton Edwards is, is turning another year older. Happy birthday, Clayton. And crew, man. But uh, birthday moments, there's anniversary moments. We, uh, we have, and I believe Aunt Wilma is turning another year older today too. So happy birthday, Aunt Wilma. The uh, best moments of life. And today what we're gonna, going to get to watch is one of David's. I think it would have to be on his top three best moments of his life. But it's an unexpected moment. And in it, there's a, it's one of those he did not see coming God records it for us, and I believe to give us a takeaway for our own faith journey that will help develop in us. When we see what he wants us to see, develop in us humility, gratitude, and great expectations for our own future, or hope, as we look to to our our future. So, if you would join me there in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we'll pick it up in verse 1, where I... It reads, after the king was settled in his palace... The Lord had given him rest from all enemies around him. He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Remember David, this has been a long journey to get to this place. He's gone through a lot, 10 years plus, um, when he was anointed to get to this spot. And now he's settled. And so he's thinking it's just not right that, that here I am living in this nice palace 
and the ark of God is in a tent. So Nathan replies to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, and the Lord is with you. So if you were to summarize this first initial scene, it is a noble intention. David is asking, Lord, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? He's thinking about those moments of being settled, and David especially, man, to make it to the palace after all that he's been through, I know several of us are, are in the season of moving, and how long does it take for you to get settled in your new house? We were taught, Tam and I were thinking, it's, it feels like about two years before that last box in the garage gets unpacked, but what a good feeling when you're finally like, ah, and David is just like, ah, God has given him rest, settled him in a palace, he looks around, and what's his first, what's his thought is, the, the ark of, of, of the covenant is is in a tent. This is not right. The Ark of the Covenant in this dispensation represented the presence of God. And, and here it's, it's just in a tent. And David has this noble intention of, as king, to use his resources, use his time, use his expertise to gather the team around building a place that would be fitting to house the glory of God and to be a house for the Lord. Quick context, if you page one, one page back, and we don't have time to do it, but in, um, it's an awesome chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 6. You open that chapter, and immediately what you hear is music. And it's not um, chill music, but it's loud, celebratory music, and you see the king dancing. David is dancing, not a just a, a keeping it between the lines dance. He's going all out, um, in essence, dancing in a very undignified way, such that his wife saw him and gave him a bit of an earful, like, hey man, you're embarrassing yourself. Why? Because the ark was coming back to Jerusalem. And it's a beautiful picture of David's heart just valuing the presence of God and his love for the Lord and, and his excitement in this moment. And the one verse we'll, we will look at in Second uh, Samuel 6, verse 22, he says, this is after his wife said, David, what are you doing? Um, he says, I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. You get a window into his heart. But, but these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor by them. And so as we come to chapter 7 and you hear his intention, you, you, you can understand. His passion is um, God's presence and honoring God's presence. And so he says, I want to build a house for the Lord. Nathan gives him, Nathan the prophet gives him the green light. And so as David falls asleep this night, what's, what's he dreaming? And I can just imagine he's dreaming blueprints and what would be. I'm sure he's probably already sketched out, you know, what this might look like or beginning to sketch out on the napkin or the, um, the piece of paper there. What will be as he sets out to use his resources to, to uh, honor the Lord? Okay, come into your life, to my life. Most, much of life is a struggle to get to a spot that, that we have this idea of being settled in our minds. When, when we make it to what, whatever, you guys are in school, you know, you're, you're on a journey towards something. Um, we, we, we journey towards this settled place in our lives. So imagine whatever that settled spot is for you, David in his palace, you and your settled spot. You reach that spot, God's blessed you with resources, with now some time, whatever, and you realize this is all from the Lord. I want to give back to him. I want to give of something to honor him, something to further his kingdom, something to say thank you, something to, to, that would make him happy, would, would bless him. And you come up with this 
noble intention. It's big. Best intention you've ever had for serving the Lord, and now you have the resources to do it. And you sense God saying, green lights, go for this. And you fall asleep that night, just like, okay, this is the opportunity to use what God's given me to give back to him in a sacrificial, loving way, and you're pumped. But you wake up the next morning, and surprise, 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 God has a message for you that you had... (laughs) You did not see coming. And that's where David is. It is an unexpected response by God in verses 4 and following. So, uh, but that night it says, The word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, Are you the one to build a house, build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I moved with the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you to ruler over my people. I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they will have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and, and have done since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself, here it comes, will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and will establish a kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a a be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Then verse 17, Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. I can imagine Nathan Before this saying, David, you're going to have to sit down (laughs) for this one. But this is huge. What just happened? And and the the title, the summary scene, an unexpected response. I'm building a house for you. What just happened? Here David is thinking, okay, it's time to build a house for the Lord. And God's response to him is, no. No. I'm good with a tent. The blueprints that, that, that you're uh, charting out, you can go ahead and roll those up and, and stick them in the closet because I don't need a house right now. I'm going to build you a house. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine what David, what's going through his minds here? He has this idea to build God a house and what he hears from the king, the king, 
is, no, I am going to, to build you a house, and this house is going to be a dynasty. It's going to last forever. It's, uh, we know scholars call this the Davidic covenant. It's the, uh, one of the four major covenants, or a covenant, the word covenant really means just promise that God makes. You know, that Ab- God made a covenant to Abraham that, that continues to play out. A covenant to Moses that was temporary and conditional. But this covenant to David and then the new covenant that's established in Christ um, continues to play out, or these covenants are fulfilled, fulfilled in that. But this is a covenant that is unconditional, it is eternal, and it is solely by the grace of God. David did absolutely nothing to receive this promise from God. It comes out of um, his heart to to bless God, but God says, no, you're not going to bless me. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless you forever. I'm going to build your house, and this house will never crumble. Awesome. And what do you call this? Guys, this is grace. This is grace. And this is our God, and this is where we see the glory of God in His grace. And the beauty of this moment is this grace poured out to this undeserving king, it continues to flow through David into your life and into my life today. It's awesome. So what's David's response? You, you can, um, <laughs> one is I did not see this coming, I'm sure, but, but how does he respond to God's grace pouring out on him? And you could summarize it like this. David's response is humility, gratitude, and great expectations or hope as he looks to the future we see the first, this first response of humility in verses 18, where he says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord? And the phrase sovereign Lord will, will appear um, eight times, and it's a phrase that recognizes God's lordship, or that he is king, but also there's an intimacy with this term. He says, Who am I, sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, Sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, Sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, Sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and have made it known to your servant. I love this. David's immediate response is just, who am I that you have brought me this far? And now you've even spoken about my future. You just see the, the humility. This year we're chasing humility. And, and where do we grow in our humility? It's as we see the extravagant grace of God poured out on us. We simply respond, Lord, who are we that you've given us this, but now you've spoken about our future The second response is one of just spontaneous gratitude. There in verse uh, 22, he says, How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. And there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations And their gods before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. 
And so David's response to, to God's grace is not only humility, but it's also just this gratitude and this uh, just spontaneous worship of, gr- Lord, how great you are. As we think about our own lives and, and seeing the grace of God in it, gratitude is, is our fitting response. But then we go to the third response, which is great expectations. And how does David respond to this when God says, your house is never going to end, it's going to be forever He says this in verse 25, And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise that you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you have promised, so that your name will be great forever. I love that the whole goal of this is the glory of God. For his glory, the greatness of God's name. He says, Then people will say that the Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. Lord Almighty, God of Israel... God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. If you're circling in your Bible, this is the phrase to to circle. It sums up everything that God just said to to David. Basically, I'm going to build you a house. He says, so your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. So here comes the prayer. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy. God keeps his promise. And you have promised these good things to your servant. Now, Be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. In essence, he's he's just saying, let it be for your glory. Lord, this promise that you have made to me, let it be all for your glory. And as David lives his life, we we just get this picture, it's with this great expectation, or, or what frames his perspective and his his vision is hope and the hope anchored in this promise of God so what happens to to David and and to this promise How, how does this play out is God good for his promise and we know oh yeah David who who built ends up building the temple the house for God we know David supplies the building materials later on in first chronicles we find out that the reason that uh David is not chosen as he has blood on his hands. He, went, he was a warrior, and, and God wanted Solomon, who was a, a man of peace, king of peace, to build the temple. But yeah, Solomon builds the temple. David supplies the materials. Solomon builds it, and then for 400 years, it's a Davidic dynasty. Someone from David's line rules, even while Israel is drifting from God. But finally, due to the Mosaic covenant, um, God said, if you drift from me, Again and again and again, eventually you will receive these curses and you will go into captivity and and that plays out. So the question is now, what does God, um, is God still good for his promise to David even as Israel goes into captivity? And this is where it gets really good and where it's coming up to to our day and how this impacts our lives. So is anyone up for a little Christmas in July? We, We had just this good hot, man, it was a beautiful week to sweat, wasn't it? This past week. But, uh, but the cool breeze, northern breeze that came in yesterday and, and is with us today, it's fitting because this, um, this is where we get to celebrate Christmas, all right? So we're going to go to, does God keep his promise to David? All right, there's a prophet Isaiah. 
that speaks some words of comfort and hope to the people that are in exile. And he says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on where? On David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Who's he talking about? We, we find out as we page ahead to Luke chapter 1, verse 30, where an angel meets with, the, with Mary, a teenage girl, engaged but not married yet, says, uh, Mary, or, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will receive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of who? His father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so Jesus comes he, uh, he grows and comes to the time of his public ministry. And as he goes out, what is his message? If you were to summarize the message that, that he goes out preaching, the good news. We see it in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He says, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news. And what's the kingdom of God? It's the king has arrived. The king is on earth. And crazy that, that uh, think about this reality that, that the creator wrapped himself in humanity. And John sums it up. So how, does, how do the people, how do um, those in the first city respond to him? And John says it this way in 1 John chapter 1, 9, the true light that gives, every, gives light to everyone in the world was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become not just citizens of his kingdom, but what? Children of God. Children born not of natural ascent, nor born of human decision or a husband's will but born of God and we know as the story plays out the message of Christ believe in me and everyone who believes in him it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we are not only forgiven of our sin but we are adopted into his family as co-heirs with Christ of his kingdom This is big, you guys. This is where the Davidic promise, if you are a follower of Christ, it's a promise that you share in. It's grace that shapes your eternity. The moment that David says, I did not see that coming, is a moment that it's impacting your life. And if your kids know Christ, their lives, and your grandkids, their lives, this this is awesome. To, to, what, to where uh, there are times in the New Testament as Paul is trying to describe this, 
the new covenant that Jesus came to establish, that through, the, through him we enter into um, one new people, and it were, includes both is, Israelites and, and um, Gentiles in the church. And we, we see that one of the great summary moments is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse uh, yeah, we'll just start reading there in verse 4, but he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So that's past, but now look what happens. Here's the future grace. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. If you remember, uh, the phrase to remember today is the incomparable riches of his grace. That's where we stand today. And I believe that's what God wants us to see today. What is our fitting response as we relive this moment with David and just see God's grace poured out on him? And there is a time for us to do for God. So when we hear David's good intention, like, I want to build a house for the Lord, that's good. We're we're called to be doing that. We know in Ephesians 2.10, God created good works for us to do. So that's something we're we're always thinking, right? Okay, God, what can I do for you? But I believe God wants us to see something that's equally important and maybe even more important, that we're not focused on what we can do for God, but that we never lose sight. That we never lose sight of what he has done, but maybe even more importantly, what he will do for us in the future. The incomparable riches of Christ that will be shown to us in the ages to come. John Piper, a respected scholar, wrote an entire book called Future Grace on this one premise. Past grace is motivating. What Christ did for us on the cross, motivating. But future grace throughout Scripture is even more motivating. So we've got to see it. We've got to see it. Today I sense the burden of this text, where God is leading us. And the gift for us today to receive and carry with us is to fix our eyes on His future grace. The incomparable riches of His grace that would be poured out on us. Remember what he's done, where he's brought us. Like, David, who am I that you have brought us this far? We were dead in our sin, and through faith in Christ, he's made us alive. But then to look ahead and see what he has planned for us to see. Are you seeing his incomparable grace coming your way today? Okay, so imagine if if we could ask David... This day that, that he, he, uh, he makes this good intention, if we could get with him and say, hey, David, God is going to do something really big for you. He's going to pour out his grace on you. Give us a shot at what you think it'll be. Give us a shot. Write it out. And, and David writes out, yeah, he's going to do something really big. And we, we take the paper and we say, now, now do something bigger. It's bigger than that. Could David even come close to what God's about to do for him? No. 
that God would build a house for him that would be a forever house, that, that his lineage would actually be the one who would save the world and save his own soul, and that this house, that somebody, one of his kids is going to sit on the throne, not just next reign or the next reign or the 400 year dynasty but is going to sit on the throne in the new heaven and the new earth incomparable riches of his grace guys what if we today had the same exercise and could say all right Liam write out here on this piece of paper the grace that God's going to pour into your life Ed Tyler you, write it out and give us your biggest shot I don't think we come even close. And so here's the takeaway today where I sense God nudging us to live and to see and to ask him to give us grace to see that we would see the gap between our best intention for God and his incomparable, the riches of his incomparable grace coming our way. That we would see that gap and just let it move us to humility, gratitude, and great expectations for the future. Is that Make sense? That uh, it's interesting. Um, or, yeah, moving, continuing to. Uh, God has given us propositional truth in His Word, and, and we treasure that truth in the epistles like Romans, etc. You have the, the propositions that are, form these grand truths that we hold on to. But he's also given us truth in the form of story. And I love that as well. And that propositional truth is sometimes hard to hold on to in our minds, but story has a way of sticking, doesn't it? So why did God preserve this moment in David's life? I think it's so that it will stick in our minds. We can carry it with us this week. And so what a gift that today, this week as we take God's word, we can take this moment of a real person living a real life like us who came to God with a great intention or a noble intention. This king, he said, "Um, Lord, what can I do for you? And I want to build you a house. And then this just script twist of God coming to him and saying, no, I don't need a house. I'm good with a tent, but I'm going to build you a house. And, And then to see the grace of God poured out on him. And why did God do this? And I think it's to help us just think about this moment, but, but see it in our own lives. It, it's so easy to get focused on just here and now, isn't it? But what if we had a glimpse of the grace coming our way and lived in that? And so that's really the prayer this morning, is God would give us the grace to, to think about, live in this reality that what he is preparing for us is incomparable riches of his grace David said I want to build a house for you and God blows him away as he says I'm going to build you a house And David is overwhelmed with the incomparable riches of God's grace it's a promise that's still playing out today we see it happening and will continue to play out through Christ we are co-heirs of God's kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. Our future is beautiful beyond comprehension. And if you don't know Christ today, I invite you to trust him. His invitation to you is open. I love the picture of our Lord, the king, standing with the gates of his, of his kingdom are open, and he's 
welcoming those to come in who will trust him and what he did for for us on the cross so the question today are you seeing it are you seeing it and so would you join me in prayer father we thank you for just this glimpse of grace and that this moment in time that you poured out your grace on david and and then through him and through christ that we are receiving your grace and even today Lord, our prayer this morning is really that you would just open our eyes to to the incomparable riches of your grace, that you would give us a glimpse of that and what you have prepared for us. Lord, we pray even this week as we take this moment with us and we just think about this gap between our best intentions and the riches of your grace, that, that it would move us to a greater humility before you and just uh, remember it again, who are we that you've brought us this far and then that you've spoken about our future. Lord, we, our hearts are filling up with gratitude even now as we think about that and we just want to say thank you. You are King of kings, you are Lord of lords, you are worthy of our lives, you are worthy of our all. And we want to give you everything, but the more we give you, the more you give us. So Lord, we pray that with your promises that, that they would be so for your glory. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that your name would be hallowed. Lord, we thank you for giving us our daily bread and pray that you would provide. I pray for each of my brothers and sisters here today. and Thank you that your kingdom is now, that, uh, that we don't live in a kingdom that has lack, that you have prov- promised to provide all things. And so we pray that today. I pray especially for the Johansson family, for Annie, that you would bring healing to her father and peace, strength to Joe and Karen, John and Ann, and just bring her back to us, Lord. Thank you for bringing Cody Cooper home this past week and just sustaining him and Rachel and Harland and just pray, God, your continued grace over them. Thank you for them. Lord, we thank you for this past week and just all the ways we were able to go out and work and connect with others and be about your work in our lives and thank you for the what happened at Lebanon yesterday the church there and just to be able to all those who help serve and just come alongside that church family and, and uh, spruce up their campus and just pray blessing over them Lord and all that you would bear much fruit for your glory through that church God, we thank you for uh, just who you are, for what you've done for us and what you will do. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.